When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I still want to stick, I want to pull that thread a little bit about the relationship with your father. Um, what, what, what life lessons did you get from him, like overtly or subconsciously? Like what, what kind of person was he to help? You, you mentioned that he's responsible for who you are today. But what, what, what did those lessons look like? Well, my dad, he was very direct. Mm. He's real matter of fact. Um, and it was things like, Kevin, you need to make sure you do this. Um, and don't do that. Mm. Um, if you bring a child into this world, at some point you want to be there yeah. for that child. Um, you want to stay away from a whole bunch of women at one time because you can get yourself caught up. Right. You get in a situation where you've got a whole bunch of children <laughs> right. that you have to take care of and things of that nature. Uh, stay away from the police at all costs. That same speech mm-hmm. that most black fathers have to give to their children you know, and we still have things like we have going on today with police stopping us, right. and then we end up in a morgue. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is a safe space where men share their fatherhood journey. These conversations are transparent and, more importantly, vulnerable. Now, because each fatherhood story is situationally nuanced, some topics are heavier than others. The commonality found amongst all the guests is a genuine desire to help and inspire other men through telling their story. And now, here's your host, Derek Johns. Derek Johns. Welcome to the Dear Son Show. We have conversations about fatherhoods. It's forefathers, those with fathers, and the fatherless, so nobody's left out. These are the conversations I would want my son to have access to as he grows through life, so no topics are really off limits. In order to have these conversations, sometimes it helps for me to have a guest. And today we have a fabulous guest, Kevin Stallings. Welcome to the Dear Son Show. How are you, my brother? I'm good, my man. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, man. Glad to have you here. Um, we got connected through uh, another, I guess I call it alumni, a veteran on the show, uh, Javan Blackston. And um, he spoke very highly of you. And after meeting you, you kind of met all of the things and lived up to what he said, man. So it's, it's been a pleasure to get to know you the little bit that we have. And I look forward to getting to know you a little bit more through this conversation. But let's um, let's help the people understand who you are, man. Who is Kevin? Where, where are you from? Where's home? Originally, I am from St. Louis, Missouri, born and raised uh, back in 1965. And I lived there. Until I was in my early 30s, mm. then left, uh, was married to a woman that was in the military, so that took me away from St. Louis to uh, Colorado, lived there a couple of years, went there from California, mm. lived there for four years, and came to Texas back in 08, and I've been here ever since. Texas back up. So what was the what was the loot? Was it called the loot then, and that was before y'all called it the loot? It's always been always called, been the loot. <laughs> always been the loot. Um, it's a lot different now than it was back in the day. Uh, a lot of things have changed. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that hasn't changed, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, you know, that's home. Yeah. I was supposed to be there this weekend, but I'm not going to make it because I've got some prior thing going on. Gotcha. Uh, that's going to keep me here in Texas. Okay. So what was uh, what was your family dynamic in, in back in St. Louis? Um, siblings, parents in the household? What was that like? I grew up with my mom and dad. Cool. Cool. Um, until they both were called by the Lord. Oh, okay. Um, my mom passed away, I think it was 2005. My dad died a few years before that. He uh, had Alzheimer's, Okay. unfortunately. That took him away. Um, my mom had two kids prior to meeting my dad. Gotcha. And he had a son. Um, both my brother and my sister have passed on. Wow. Um, cancer ran on their father's side of okay. the family. And then my dad had a son. He's deceased as well. Wow. Um, and I believe he was, he's at least 25 years older than me and my other brother and sister, they were 20 years older than me. So my nickname was 20 years too late. 20 years too late. So that, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to process the, so were, were, is it safe to say your parents were old, your parents were old, older when they had you? Yes. My mom was 30 mm, and okay. I can't remember how old my dad was, but he was born in 1918. Wow, Just my, to give you perspective. Yes, that's that's what I was looking for because my my grandmother was born in 1920. She passed in 2019 before making a hundred. She would have been a hundred in that in that spring. Wow. My, we buried my grandmother, whose birthday was yesterday, uh, and Alzheimer's kind of accelerated her her mm-hmm. demise. But so I I can empathize with you uh, in that regard. What what was um. Wow, 1980s. I'm really interested to understand what the, what your relationship with your father was like, because that's like old old school, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, but like my dad's old school, and that's like his parents' generation, and I don't understand that in my family. I never had a grandfather. That was a, mm-hmm. my dad's father died long before I was born, or he was even met my mom or anything. My mom's dad was a bum. He left them. I never met him, and he also passed. Okay, so I'm, I'm interested in what like having a father from that that school was like. What was your relationship like? My relationship with my dad was great. I mean, he was there for everything: football. I was a swimmer. I played water polo, things of that nature. He was always there. I never met his dad. Obviously, he was born long before. So, if my dad was in 1918, you can just imagine when his dad was born. I remember my mom's dad one time. Because he was getting on me as a kid. That's the only time I remember him. Wow. But my relationship with my father was great. I mean, he was there. He made me into the man that I am today Yeah. in terms of being responsible, taking care of your responsibilities, doing what you need to do, working hard. Yeah. Um, and he's part to blame for the business that I have. Um, <laughs> the blame. He's part of the blame between him, my mom, and my sister. Okay. My sister, she was a real firecracker. She was real militant. Yeah. You know, but she was a good girl. Um, she was x-ray tech. Um, so that's my dad. Okay. Yeah. And she went on to open up her own ultrasound business, her and her husband. Okay. Uh, which he still has today in St. Louis. Wow. Um, he's originally from Clarksville, Tennessee. Okay. And my sister went to Tennessee State. So that's how gotcha. they met. Gotcha. Uh, my brother was a musician, a very well-known musician. Really? His name was Luther Thomas. Okay. I've seen his albums in record stores and movies. What, what did he play? Uh, he played saxophone, but he could play anything. He had a master's in music. Was he more jazz? What, what, jazz. I love jazz. And he had a group called the St. Louis Jazz Ensemble, but he lived in New York. Wow. And he eventually moved to Denmark and married a girl from Iceland, but that's where he passed away in Denmark. 
Wow. That, that is a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. This first first three minutes. Uh, I, wa- I do want to, um, before we get deeper into your family story, uh, give an opportunity to, uh, for you to let people know about your business that you kind of just said yeah, your father is kind of to blame for. But um, mm-hmm. like, again, I met you through the intent to do business and, you know, our relationship is growing from there. But tell everybody about, about your business. I think they can see it. Hopefully they can see it. And uh, if you're if you're watching, um, you see the. The logo on the shirt, uh, but but what's that business about? So, Prodigal Sight and Sound is a full service audio video installation company. So, for instance, if you were to go into Best Buy and you buy a television, and typically they'll try to sell you the installation where they come and set it up. Um, that's what we do. Um, so, we also do things like whole house audio, your media rooms, because and just about every home here in Texas. Um, has a media room in it so we can come in and do all of that Um, and one of the reasons I approached you about is because people that look like us typically aren't in this business Mm. and I wanted our people to know that you don't have to spend that money with a company like Best Buy or Nebraska Furniture Mart and that's not disparaging them in any way because I used to work in that capacity I managed for Best Buy for six years Mm. Um, but there are people like myself that look like us that do this type of work and I've been doing it for 16 years yeah. on my own and I'm a one man show. Ooh. So I, I, I'm glad that you said that I, I love highlighting businesses that are owned by, by black people. Um, and, and I'm not ashamed of that. And, and I'm not ashamed to say it often and daily because the default is white, right? That's, that's who had the ownership of many industries before. So you naturally think, I naturally think Best Buy, I naturally think Walmart or what have you. So you, we have to be vocal about what we do and let people know that we're in this space. So I appreciate you. Um, appreciate you highlighting that. And he does good work. Yeah, I appreciate it. Has that. nothing to do with him being on the podcast. But um, yeah, it came highly recommended. Um, service and delivery. Uh, I haven't done an install yet because I got to get out of my way to get my media room done. But that's neither here nor there. All uh, right. But but cool, cool. Anything else about the business? Uh, just you know, anybody out there that we're. We do everything audio, video related. So if there are people listening uh, to this podcast, if they're interested, um, they can reach out. And I'm sure at some point we'll, yeah. we'll get that information out there to them. Yeah, we'll have it uh, in the description below. And it might have just popped up depending on how I edit this. Um, also, I, I want to make sure it's clear that it's it's uh, it's goods and installation, equipment and installation. That's correct. Yeah, so, so not just don't go buy your thing and then call him. Right. Call him to plan how you want to. Right. Do your project. That's correct. Because we will do a free in-home consultation um, just to give you an idea of the, you know, what we see and the things that you need to make that happen. And then we have access right. to all of the equipment that you will need so that you don't have to go into the store and pay those ridiculous markups. That markup. Once you know about that markup, it's very difficult to walk back in that store. Absolutely. I typically will go in that store to look at the model <laughs> just to make sure that's what I want. Then I got to text Kevin. Like, yo, do you do this? Okay. All right, getting getting back to your family, man, that was a colorful, it sounds like there's so many um, beautiful branches to the tree with with rich experiences of what your family was doing. I mean, the musician, the the x-ray and the ownership and this and that. Um, I, I still want to stick, I, I want to pull that thread a little bit about the relationship with your father. Um, what, what, what life lessons did you get from him 
like overtly or subconsciously, like what, what kind of person was he that helped you? You mentioned that he's responsible for who you are today, but what, what, what did those lessons look like? Well, my dad, he was very direct. Mm. He's real matter of fact. Um, and it was things like Kevin, you need to make sure you do this. Um, and don't do that. Mm. Um, if you bring a child into this world at some point, you want to be there yeah. for that child. Um, you want to stay away from a whole bunch of women at one time because you can get yourself caught up right. and you get in a situation where you've got a whole bunch of children <laughs> right. that you have to take care of and things of that nature. Uh, stay away from the police at all costs. That same speech mm -hmm. that most black fathers have to give to their children, you know, and we still have things like we have going on today with police stopping us right. and then we end up in a morgue. Yep. You know, I, I didn't want to be one of those people so I followed the direction that my dad gave me, as well as my mom, but more so my dad, because it's it's I think to me, it's harder for a woman to try to raise a man. That represents a century of that sentiment where we have to be hyper aware of our dealings with women, but specifically the police, right? From nineteen eighteen, that was a lesson that he picked up in life, right? Absolutely. Here we are at twenty twenty two. And that is still a lesson that we have to, unfortunately, instill into our sons. And that's, that's something that I, I started that late with my son, primarily because he wasn't in situations where he would be out away from me. We lived overseas for some time and they weren't just out roaming around. Then when we came back here, um, you know, they had a couple years of school then COVID. So now he's 15 and I, it's more of a concern because, you know, at some point he's 16, he'll be out hanging out with his friends. What I tried to impress upon him is that nobody knows your lifestyle once you walk out of this house. To them, you're, you look like every other thing that they either love or hate or despise, and you have to be aware. And the things that I'm telling you is because I've seen it before. You haven't seen it, so you don't know how to process it because you haven't dealt with it. Uh, and that's just, you know, it. It, it's unfortunate that we have to do that, but it's a mandatory thing to actually give them a chance um, in, in, in today's world. Even if we try to protect them and put them in the the, the best neighborhoods we can, the best schools that we can, um, it's just a real thing that they have to they have to contend with. Did your dad share any stories about um, his dealings because he came up in that era of uh, you know what I can't it was like not like racism isn't alive and well now, but he saw things in a different when folks were more bold, right? Mm -hmm. Early 1900s segregation and all of that. Did he give you any lessons that were specifically related to his experience during those times? When to be honest, he never did. I never had a conversation with him uh, having to deal with any type of racism. Okay. Not to say that it didn't happen, sure. but nothing that I can recall yeah. either from him or even my mom. Yeah, never. Um, my dad. He worked at a plant. Uh, lead plant called National Lead and probably not in business anymore. But um, and he was there with a lot of Caucasians because mm -hmm. I used to go down there with him and pick up his check and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I don't recall at any point him giving me anything like that. I got more of that from my sister and brother. Okay. Believe it or not. And they were older. If I remember correct, your sister and brother were older than you. They're about twenty years. Twenty years, older. 20 years too mm -hmm. late. What, what did you what did you get from them? Because that that's an interesting perspective to have from a twenty year old that would be different from 
your father's life during that same period? Yeah. Um, my sister, again, she was the militant one. Right. You know, she was, you know, it was, you know, fist in the air. She just she came up in that air. So I got a lot of lot more from her than I did my brother. Because, again, my brother, he was always traveling. Gotcha. He was in Europe a lot playing gotcha. music. And then when he'd come back to New York, we'd go visit. But my sister, she just taught me to, you know, look after my people. Yeah. You know, that was a constant conversation with her. Um, I don't want to say she didn't like Caucasian people, yeah. but she she was kind of real standoffish, yeah. if you will, when it comes to them. She didn't take a lot of mess. Gotcha. And so I kind of got that from her. And I'm in a situation, anybody will tell you that knows me, they know I don't. I don't stand for mess. Yeah. I just, I don't do it because it just, it, it messes with me yeah. and with my psyche. And it's, I'm a peaceful person right? for the most part. You know, I don't club anymore. I don't do those types of things. Um, I did back in the day. Right. But I get most of that calmness from my sister because she told me, you know, this is what you need to do to avoid this type of situation. Because I spent most of my time with her growing up because my mom and dad were always working. Gotcha. So she's responsible for me. She taught me how to roller skate. She taught me how to ice skate. My love of music comes from her. Mm. You know, and so when I hear certain songs, I immediately think of Regina. Gotcha. Uh, because that's the stuff that she used to listen to. We're riding down the street and one of her jams would come on. And she would stop the car and get out at the light and dance. There it is. That's the type of thing that she would do. So, yeah, I got a lot out of her. Okay. What type of, um, what, what type of, how would you describe your teenage years? What type of... Teenager, were you? Teenager, sports. Okay. I played football. I played baseball. And again, I was a swimmer gotcha. in high school and a water polo player. Um, how, how did water polo happen? That's, it was that's weird because I love to swim. Okay. I've been swimming since maybe since I was three. I lifeguarded for a little while. Hmm. Um, I was CPR certified with Red Cross and ended up having to use it outside of a swimming capacity. Wow. I can tell you that story later, too. That, yeah. was, that was pretty strange. Um, you know, you think that your lifeguard, you'd at least use it mm -hmm. at the pool. I used it in a mall to save a kid. Got it. Um, I mean, let's hear that now. Well, I was managing a clothing store at the time. Most people probably heard of merry-go-round. Used to yes. be a clothing store, but they had a chain store called Ativo. Okay. And I managed that store and one evening, somebody ran into the store and says, anybody in here know CPR? And I was like, yes, why? So it was a lady with a newborn wow. that she had just fed. And when she was trying to burp it or whatnot, I guess it was taking too long for the baby to burp or whatever. And the baby had turned blue. Oof. So we took the child behind the customer service counter because the crowd started to build. And I started performing CPR. I mean, this was a newborn, like, days old wow, and it was bleeding from the nose and this was at the height of when AIDS and all that kind of stuff came out so I'm a little apprehensive like do I do that I said well it is what it is yeah so it cleared the baby's nose by that time some lady that was a nurse she showed up and like started doing what I learned right you know when I was training for a lifeguard and all of a sudden the baby came back and started crying and everybody and I started crying yeah. and I was sweating profusely it's exhausting Right. And that was just on an infant. So I can imagine what, you know, EMTs go through when they're trying to save lives is it was really exhausting and your adrenaline starts flowing. And that baby is probably that person, that kid's probably 30 now. Wow. You know, I, 
Are you still in contact? With no. Okay. No, I went I to I... see him in the hospital. Okay. Like two days later because they mm-hmm. called me and I was in the newspaper and all that kind of stuff way back. And I still have that article wow. um, about, you know, what happened, everything that happened and whatnot. Um, but I went to see him in the hospital and seemed to be doing fine. They don't. And at that point, they didn't know what it was. Wow. That caused it, but it's like the baby just blacked out. I mean, she was, was just as blue as the sky. Wow. So, and unconscious, but we, we brought him back. Jeez. So it was interesting. You're a, a multi-sport athlete. You're a hero. Uh, you're a business owner. <laughs> you're an entrepreneur. All these things. Let's pick which way we're going to go with it. Well, let's let's stay in your teenage years. Your teenage years coming into a, a adulthood. Are you still in St. Louis at this time? No, I live here. No, I'm in it, Dallas. It, as a teenager. As a teenager? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes. I didn't leave there until I was almost, I was 32. Okay. Something like that. So, yeah. what, what, how, let, I guess let's walk your life through that 32. You were, you were married to someone in St. Louis? Yes. Okay. St. Louis from 91 until about two years ago. Yeah. Got it. Got it. What was it? How, what was the, um, I'm always interested in how men pursue or how men get to the married state, right? Mine was a high school sweetheart. We didn't necessarily date in high school, but I knew it from high school. And I knew some things that were important to me when I was looking for uh, my wife, but I didn't have all, I didn't have it all together. Mm-hmm. Like from, from your perspective, when you were, assume you were pursuing it or you, 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 you were moving in that direction. Were you aware of what marriage really was? Like what the expectation is and if you were ready for it? I knew what it was because my mom and dad, yeah, my sister and my brother and my, uh, they, everybody was married. Yeah. Um, so this young lady I met when I was right out of high school mm. in 84 and she used to work for McDonald's. And ironically, it was right next door to that convenience store where they said Mike Brown stole those cigars. Wow. There used to be a 7-Eleven back in the day. Um, met her in 84. I saw her twice over the last next, I don't know, seven, 10 years out. Yeah. And then I ran into her one evening at a club in 92. Mm-hmm. And we were together up until two years ago. Wow. Yeah. So what what from from what you saw of your parents, um, I guess what 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 resonated with you the most about what you saw and heard that suggested that, man, I can have what my parents have. And maybe I'm not stating it the right way, but if you had the model, the model influenced you in some way. Right. And you saw something in this person that right. maybe. Say, hey, I, I, we can make this model work. What were those? What were those things that you saw in your parents' marriage and relationship that um, prepared you for for marriage? Well, I saw how my dad treated my mom. You know the things that he did. He worked hard, made sure we always had food on the table. All the the cliche things that yeah. you hear. Um, and I wanted to be that guy, but. At first, I was that guy like on the commercial where I'm not getting married. I'm not buying the minivan. I'm never going to have a dog. I'm not doing any of that. So I did everything but get the minivan. 
All right, had the house, all that good stuff. And I saw that the way, again, the way he treated my mom. Um, And again, they were together until he left, until he died. And um, so I said, well, if I do this, this, I'm going to try to do it like my dad. Right. And there was no bitter breakup. Mm -hmm. It's a long, drawn-out story. But And we're still friends. That's awesome. Still friend. Yeah. Um, she's a lovely person. She's got a great career in the military. Um, she's about due to retire here in a few years. But um, and I did everything that I thought I needed to do. Yeah. But the military, if I'm being honest, is about the cause of us gotcha. splitting. Yeah. So um, but other than that, um, everything that I got from the marriage would have been based on what I saw yeah. from my parents. The reason I asked you that it wasn't it wasn't a, a dig to get an angle or anything um, about why it wasn't that now it isn't. I know when I got married, I was good at the mechanics, like mimicking what I saw, but I wasn't great at the relationship, and it wasn't abusive or anything like that. And thinking back on it, me and my dad didn't have conversations about this is what it is to be a husband or this is why you see what you see. Right. I saw, I saw what was modeled, but I didn't necessarily see what happened behind closed doors or the conversations or know what the financial status, you know, challenges really were until I was much older. And I wonder, um, like for my son, who's not ready to get married, hopefully, um, not at 15, but like, how do I, how do I avoid that right and make sure that I give him the right information um, because it's not just having a good model is great but when you don't know why the model actually works um, it could be tricky because the model that worked for my parents my dad and my mom what my mom liked is not necessarily what my wife likes right, right. so I can't I can't force that that thing and what I'm getting to is like, how, what was the maturing process like for you, if you don't mind me asking, because uh, this is about helping men understand different parts of, of the male journey to fatherhood, if that if that's part of it. But um, d- did you have any of those conversations with your dad or was it you, what you saw is what you saw and you took from it what you, you know, what you thought you needed and tried to apply it and then you kind of adjust as you. Yeah, I basically took what I saw because, again, uh, I can never ever recall having a conversation about my dad about one day if I get married. Yeah. He just always told me, this is how you take care of a woman. That's basically what it was. And those are different things. Yes. Like, those, both are important, but those are different things. Um, do, you, do you have kids now? I have one daughter. Okay. She's 27 years old. Okay. Um, she's graduated of Howard University. East Coast. Um, and then she just graduated from uh, Texas Southern Okay. University, which is Thurgood Marshall School of Law. Gotcha. And just took the bar exam, so she's waiting on results for that so she can get to work. Got it. Got and it. Stay out of my pocket. <laughs> yeah, we we claim we claiming the victory on that already. Right. That's already done. Uh, absolutely. Um what was it like what was it like being a father, man? How, it's always I'm always interested in what fatherhood teaches a man. Um So let's let's start there. What what was what was your fatherhood journey like? Do you think you were prepared when it, when the news broke or? 
It was definitely breaking news. <laughs> okay. And I'll give you the backstory. Um, her mom, again, being military, she had just taken a, a PT test. Wow. And I guess a day or so later, she started complaining of some pain in her abdomen. I made the joke. I said, you're probably pregnant. Oh, I said that too. Oof. And so I said, well, we can just go to the doctor and, you know, find out what's going on. See if you maybe you have a hernia or whatever. I was clearly joking about right. the pregnancy. So she's at the our doctor's office, our OB. I'm sitting in the lobby with a bunch of other women reading, ironically, a home theater magazine. That's how long I've been doing this. <laughs> Um, and she comes out with this bag and she says, hi, daddy, here you go, dad. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I've told people in the past, honestly, I said it was the worst news I'd ever gotten in my life. Wow. Other than my dad passing away. Wow. Cause I was not prepared for that. But my mom always told me, yeah, keep doing it and you're bound to have one. And sure yeah. enough, here she is. But best thing that ever happened to me. It completely changed my life. Um, a lot of things that I used to do, whether it was good or bad, yeah. I don't do them anymore. Because now, I, now I've really got someone dependent on me. So I need to step up yeah. as a father. So then that thing kicks in from my dad. If you ever bring a child into this world, you need to make sure you take care of him or her yeah. or them. Yeah. Um, so it completely changed my life. Um, and being being a dad is one of the best things that could probably happen to anyone. Absolutely. As long as you take it serious. I mean, there are people to get that news and have that reaction like you and never adjust, right? And they try to right. run from it. Um, we don't have many of them on this show. I don't think we've had any. Uh, but I agree, being a father, when I, it does something to you immediately, just the news, but to to be physically responsible for somebody's safety, somebody's, you know, what they what they learn, their mannerisms, uh, and a lot of the things that you don't know they're watching um, that you need to be aware of and when you start to see it manifesting and how they do things that they take on, your temperament and things like that. So I, I've definitely learned, a, you know, a lot about me dealing with five kids, and they're all different. I call them the algorithms because every <laughs> did, one didn't necessarily prepare you for the other. They're all different in their own right. What was um when when did you come around? Right, that was the initial shock. But like, when did you when when did you come to grips with the news and like start start those those changes, whether they were mental or financial or whatever? I think mentally it happened after that first sonogram. Yeah, that'll do it. When you actually see it. And then it, as she began to start to show, yeah, I was like, wow, this is real life. Yeah. You know, this is happening. Yeah. You know, so I made sure I did everything to keep her comfortable so we didn't have complications, you know, and I made all the meetings. I was at all the checkups, no matter what I was doing. And I was in the retail side of business at that time. So I was working for, I think I was with Best Buy okay. at that time. Um, so I made sure if she had an appointment, I was there. Yeah. You know, every step of the way yep. all the way up the delivery i even recorded the delivery Ooh, that's brave you know that's so brave. yeah it was it was nuts so yeah side note for anybody any man that hasn't that has not witnessed the birth specifically their child but any child i don't know what other situation you'd be in uh, witness birth women are spectacular absolutely it is hard to watch a woman birth a human 
that uh, she might blame on you at the time she's pushing, uh, but that you ha- that you contributed to and not and not feel differently about life in general, have a different appreciation for life, but a different respect for women doesn't mean that you're perfect. But that is such a um, I was I was scared of that experience. Uh, I, I was there for sure, but it was um, I don't even know how to explain it. Like something happens in real time as you're watching it that um, definitely can't be undone in your mind, but it just gives you a different perspective, different perspective on life. What once you got through the birth, did you go super dad, like super proud dad? I'm, you know, I'm the best dad in the world or what? I absolutely did. Yeah. Um, you couldn't tell me a thing, <laughs> right. you know, because she was healthy. Yeah. You know, all glory be to God for that. Absolutely. Um, and she was she was a good baby. Yeah. You know, we never had problems out of her. She's never been sick, any of that kind of thing. So, yeah, I went right into super dad mode. So wherever I went, if she didn't feel like taking care of, I would take her with me. Gotcha. Whether I don't care where it was, it could be the gas station or wherever. Yeah. Um, she was always in tow. Gotcha. Um, but she she looks like her mom. She kind of looks like me, but she really looks like her mom. They always look like twins. Wow. But she acts like me. Gotcha. You know, um, her mom and her they're doing a lot of catching up because her mom missed a lot of stuff because of the military. So they've been hanging out, which is great. Yeah. You know, because uh, she's in Houston. Her mom's in Georgia, you know, um, after law school uh, graduation, we took her to Paris. Nice. So that was something where she always wanted to go. She said, I want to be an attorney mm-hmm. and one day I want to go to Paris. Nice. So she fulfilled her end of the bargain. So we fulfilled our end of the bargain. Gotcha. And we had a great time. Um, but she's a, she's a good kid and she's always been a good kid and we've never not once had really an issue out of her gotcha. whatsoever. She's got a real level head. She likes money, you know. Um, so Likes people, not love. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said, these are the things that you do. Keep it legal. Right. Especially when you get into lawyering. Yeah. None of that under the table. So I don't care how much money they throw you away. I said, because you see what happens to these lawyers yeah. um, when they start doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And you all that you work for, you lose it. Yeah. You know, so she's real level headed. Um, but yeah, real overall good kid. And we had no problem raising her and I would do it all over again, even though I never wanted any kids. Wow. During, during, um, during her, during, while you, while y'all were together, married, raising the child, was there ever a point where your wife, was out of the house because of the military, like she had to go to an assignment or um, did, were there, was there any separation during that time? There were every year for training purposes, oh. but she was never in a situation where Long she was term. deployed for okay. a year or anything like that. She's never been deployed since she's been in the military. Gotcha. Um, because she's in HR. Okay. Um, so they kind of always need them on the home front side of things. So she... Because she was recruiting at one point, so she spent a lot of time out of the house when she was recruiting. That was at the height of the war when it started, gotcha. the last one that just ended in Afghanistan. So they were looking for soldiers. Okay. So that's how we ended up going to California from Colorado because they needed recruiters okay. in California. So she took on that role. So she came out of HR to go to recruiting, and that kept her busy. Sometimes they were working 
14, 15 hour days. Yeah. Um, so she would miss those basketball games and plays and whatnot. But again, I recorded them all. So she's seen them, but she, yeah. she missed them. So again, like I said, they're, they're playing catch up. But her daughter, she didn't have any resentment yeah. to her mom because she was doing what she needed to do to take care of her family. How was it for you? Because sometimes it's uh it's typically the the woman that um defers their dreams or their career because the 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 father, the man, the husband is has these commitments that take them away from those moments, the first steps, the basketball games and all of that. How how did you process that? Did that ever weigh on you as a man being the one that was you know, primary caretaker? when the caretaker responsibility seemed to be imbalanced, right? Because of her, her, um, her job commitments, her military commitments. Didn't necessarily bother me. Um, it was more, I kind of felt bad for her. Okay. To having to miss certain things. Um, but it didn't, it never, I never held any resentment to her for missing things because again, she was doing what was necessary to take care of us because she got us out of a situation in St. Louis. We had a house. We didn't have a lot of money. Mm. You know, credit was bad, things of that nature. Um, Cause we jumped into a home thinking we could afford it. And we really couldn't, um, you know, it didn't get foreclosed on anything like that. And we sold it immediately when we left. Um, but I knew that she was getting us into a better situation and by going active duty because she went in as a reservist. Um, got it. So when she went active duty, so everything changed. So the money was different. Um, I was already in this industry, but I was, again, on the management side working for like Ultimate Electronics and Best Buy. So wherever we would move to, yeah, all I do is call one of my reps. They set me up with an interview and I basically have the job when I get there because yeah. of how long I'd been in the industry. So, yeah, there was it was never any problem or resentment for me with her doing what she needed to do to take care of her family because, I mean, that's what grownups do. Do you mind we dive into that? Because uh, I think that is something that a lot of men struggle with. I definitely went through those situations where um, money was ugly mm-hmm. and I wasn't necessarily so open with my wife and she trusted me. Like I always say, she trusts me way too much, but I got, I got us into those situations and I didn't, I wasn't mature enough to have those conversations uh, and be open with her in real time about what's happening. Can, do you mind talking about like how, what your situation was and, and, and how that impacted you as a man, not even if there was any strain in your relationship, but I, I want, I want to encourage men to use their words, right? right? Cause you get in those situations and you know, you get the, the ego, the ego can, can, can set you down a path to destruction without you even being aware of it. So what, what was that? What was that tough time like? How, and how did y'all get through it? Or how did you approach it as a man? And you had the your daughter was born at this time, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. It was um, it was different. Again, the ego and your pride kicks in because you're the man, and you know you're supposed to you know be able to take care of things. Um, and I was in a situation where I was in management, but I was a selling manager, so there was commission involved. So if the sales weren't where they needed to be, the money wasn't coming in the way that it should. Yeah. At the time, she was a reservist, but also working at a school, not paying that much. Yeah. So, and then all of a sudden, we got a kid on the way. Um, so, a lot of just money going, a lot more going out than it coming was coming in. in. Yeah. 
Um, so what did we do? Well, one thing we did is she decided to go active duty. She did that without even telling me she was doing it. Mm. She had mentioned it once before, some years before, and I had talked her out of it. I was like, don't do that because I was afraid that she would get caught and go seized somewhere and get killed or something right. or work, you know, something like that. Um, but she came home one day and said, I got picked up. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I thought she was talking about she got stopped by the police or something. Right. She said, I got picked up for active duty. And I said, what are you talking about, Kim? And she said, we're moving. Moving where? In Colorado. And the first thing out of my mouth was, I'm not going to Colorado. Yeah. You know, she said, well, I have to go. And so some weeks went by and she's getting things prepared. And I said, she is serious. She's, she's going. She is dead serious. So our orders come. She shows them to me. I have to be there on this search, such a date, blah, blah, blah. So I said all that to say the steps that she took allowed me to take some other steps to get us financially set. And okay. after we left St. Louis, we never had another financial problem. So I credit her for getting us out of there. That's big to credit her because like even even some men will get stuck on the fact that she made that decision. And if it was without you, some men would feel some kind of some kind of way. And again, in my situation, this is so stupid. I, I pretty much came home and told my wife I'm an entrepreneur. Like I no longer have the job that I went to. Right. I mean, I, I told her the day that I gave my two weeks notice, but it was I'm doing this. And I wasn't, uh, again, mature enough to realize the importance of her being part of that conversation. And she was getting out of the Air Force. So we we had that conversation about her getting out of the Air Force. Of course, that assumed that I was keeping my job. And then I said, nah, nah, I'm going to work from home. I had no plan. Um, and it, it really it really set us back. And it put me in a position where I felt like I was forced to make some decisions. Like, that's why I ended up going overseas for a year, because we was probably about to lose our house because mm -hmm. we couldn't make the mortgage payments. But at that time, um, you know, if you went overseas with KBR, some of the other contractors to the war zone, uh, there was a, a, a number of benefits and you were getting paid more than you would based on the skills that I had at the time. And so I, that, that's why I'm asking from a, a perspective of interest and hopefully to give uh, other other men and women that are listening um, just a nod to communication, right? Um, communication solves a lot of things, but uh, especially it, it gets it gets exponentially more complex when the marriage... Then you got kids. And at that time I had, we had three kids. Like this was super stupid. It was two kids and one on the way when uh, my wife got out. Um, one thing that I asked fathers, uh, is, is, and it stems from um, an Instagram post that I put up called Dad Facts. Like uh, we want to celebrate fathers. What's, what, do you, what would you consider your biggest flex as a father? What is the thing you're most proud of uh, from your fatherhood journey? Hmm. Well, one, just being a dad, you know, uh, just the fact that I have somebody to call me their father because mm. I've been not just a dad. I'm a father because right. I've done the things that I know that I should have done to make sure that she'd grown up to be the woman that she is right now at 27 years old. Right. Um, then my next largest uh, accomplishment is my business. Um, kind of like your situation. I was working for a company here. And one day I was sitting there and I was like, I'm done. Mm. And I left and I hadn't been there in over two months. And I had never told her that I had left and started 
this business. Wow. I was already working on it while I was there, getting my pipeline together and setting up my accounts with distributors and whatnot. Yeah. I just didn't know when I was going to take that leap yeah. and step out there. And finally, just one day, I was sitting there in the store and I was like, today is the day. Yeah. So I called my manager. I was the assistant manager and I called him. I told him I needed to talk to him and he knew because I told him what yeah. I was planning. Um, so I, that, my child is my crowning achievement. Yeah. But my business is is running right there. Because um, it's a big deal to be successful in business for 16 years yeah. doing what I do. I've never had a bad complaint, a bad review. People can Google Prodigal Sight and Sound. We come up at the top, and I don't even pay for that advertisement on Google. If you right. do home theater in Texas or Grand Prairie, Texas, where I used to live, we pop up on there. And I didn't know it. A client told me that. Wow. And I'm like, wow. So those are my two best achievements, man. Um, and just, again, being a dad is probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Um, to this point, yeah. other than God putting breath in my body every morning, every morning for 56 years. And yeah. I'll be 57 this November. Dope. Um, and I'm still moving around. No pains, no aches and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah. God is good. What do you think your daughter's going to remember most about um, her relationship with you as her father? I would hope that Simone is her name. I would hope that she would remember the things that I've instilled in her as a father. Um, I would think that she will carry that with her for the rest of her days, even after dad is long gone. Yeah. Um, just the overall, the knowledge, the things that we've told her as parents what to do, what not to do. Because basically I had the same conversations with her that my mom and dad had with me. Um, you know, the game doesn't change. Right. It's just the players. Yep. So, but she's keenly aware of situations that you don't want to get yourself into because she's been taught that from a young age. Yeah. Um, and she's always been driven Again, she was six years old. I'll never forget it when she said she wanted to be a lawyer. She said she wanted to bang the gavel. We were like, well, Simone, that's a judge. But <laughs> you got to get a lawyer to be a judge. Yeah, it steps it up. Um, and she, she loved watching Law and Order. Mm. So, and the only thing I've ever heard her say she wanted to be in life was an attorney. She's never said anything else. She knew early. So, and that's what she is. You know, she's just not practicing yet because she's waiting on the, her bar exam results. But It's already done. We claim that. Yeah, it's already done. Yeah. What, what what has um what has your entrepreneur journey taught you about being a father? Like, what are some things that you take from some business principles that also kind of translate into um, how you parent? More so out of anything, responsibility, mm -hmm. because I have a responsibility to my clients. People spend a lot of money right. with this company, um, so I do what I say I'm going to do. I'll under promise and over deliver, mm -hmm. which is the same thing I've done with my child. Um, you know, she'll ask for things. She may not get it then. Right. But when we think it's time or when I thought it was time, she would get it and she'd probably get something better than what she asked for. But being a business owner is serious business. Yeah. Um, you have to do what you say you're going to do because bad news travels fast. You do something bad. Somebody will tell 10 people. Yep. If you do something good, they may tell two. Right. You know, 
and doing something good is kind of how I came to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I've been knowing Javan. I met him looking at houses in 2008. Wow. We were going down his street and he was standing out in front and he's like, hey, neighbor. And he let me come in his house and look yeah. at his house and the guy next door, my good friend, Brandon, they used to live next door to each other. Um, that's how I met Javan gotcha. when I was looking at houses and we've been cool ever since. Yeah, you know, He's my barber, as you know. Yep. Uh, I think he cuts your hair too. Yeah, so he he be on me because uh, cause he cuts my sons for sure. I'm going through a thing. I'm going through a thing, people. I know my hair is in, is in a transition state. Don't don't worry about it. Mind your business. I'm uh, <laughs> uh, it's kind of this process that I'm going through. I'm seeing how 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 far I can go. Um, aligning with me coming out of corporate. Uh, I don't know if I'll make it to locks or what, but this is my hair journey. So y'all leave me alone. But yeah, he does. He does. Uh, does service my friend. He's just a good dude. And I was telling somebody else earlier, Javan's one of those people that says your name in rooms where you don't even know he's at because he believes in what you do. He had a good experience with you. Right. So one day sitting in the chat, nah, you got to call Kevin, man. Don't do that. Call Kevin. You got to do it. My sprinkler system go out, man, you need to call us. He's that guy. Right. He does it with a good spirit and, and he doesn't expect anything back. And it's really made some meaningful connections that are, that are facilitating my transition out of corporate. Um, so the takeaway is be good people, be good people to, to, to good people. Um, you never know where those connections, um, will, will, will land you. Um, I want, I want to, I want to wind the conversation, um, at, at this point, hopefully there'll be an opportunity to continue the conversation. I think I mentioned to you that I have a, a show idea that's not in this format that I think you would be perfect for because it focuses on people that are doing acting in their purpose, right? Living and acting in their purpose. And it sounds like what you do, you love, you're successful at it. Uh, so I do want to, um, if you're open to it, continue uh, the, the dialogue uh, under that platform, under that show idea. Um, I do want to loop back before we close, let people, uh, again, just kind of highlight your business. You know, some people skip ahead. Some people catch different parts of it. But again, Prodigal Sight and Sound is a it's a full service audio video installation company. Again, uh, media rooms, house audio, automation. We do. If you can hear it and see it, we do it. Got it. That's basically what it is in a nutshell. Um, we also have a sales side to the business as well. So again, there's no need to pay retail pricing. Right. with goods, things that you need to bring your audio video experience to life. We have access to all those things because we buy from the same place that the big box stores right. buy from just without that type of markup. Right. Um, so and they can be delivered nationwide, correct? That's nationwide. Okay. Yes. Yes. We have clients in Virginia. I've got a client in DC. I've had a number of clients in St. Louis, sure. Colorado, California, here and again, it's just me, right? But the name that I've built for this company has allowed me to grow my business beyond the state of Texas. Yep, yep. So it's been 16 years, and I get calls daily from different places, and a lot of them come from out of state, right? And we will travel, you know, we will go do consultations out of state. Um, and usually the customer takes care of us getting there, but if we need to pay to get there, 
to take care of a customer. That's what we do. Yeah. And it still works out to be a better deal for the customer. Some people might not be processing why it makes sense, but if you understood the markup, um, <laughs> you would know, you would know why it makes sense. And if you're going to, if you're going to invest in the, the equipment to make your house comfortable and, uh, and enjoyable, you want to make sure that the job is done properly, uh, by, by, um, somebody that stands on it and has, uh, built a great reputation uh, in the industry for doing that. Absolutely, uh, Kevin. I, I appreciate you coming on the show again. We'll have the um, your business information uh, linked down below, or it may have appeared a couple times in this video already. Um, I look forward again, like I said, to, to, to having more conversations with you uh, in, on on another platform or even on this platform. There's some group discussions that I'm planning um, that'll have uh, multiple guys on it for perspective. Okay. And uh, I'll, I'll definitely reach out to see if that's something that you're interested in. But uh, for my listening audience, if you made it to this point, make sure that you like and subscribe if you are on YouTube. Uh, this is also shown on Roku. If you're listening, um, you can go to Roku and search for the Dear Sun Network. That is a channel that you can download like you would. Uh, any other thing, uh, Netflix or uh, Crackle or any other apps that you would on on Roku. Uh, we're working on the um, Amazon Fire TV, uh, so that'll be coming soon. But yeah, we're, we're serious about creating content that helps men see themselves as they should and helps us see our brothers in a different light uh, and make sure that our sons have access to this information um, so that they can build upon the foundation that we've laid, avoid the struggles that we've had, uh, and not repeat these cycles unnecessarily. That is going to do it for this episode. We appreciate you guys. God bless you. Peace. The Dear Son Podcast is produced by D. John's Live Studios. All rights reserved. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you here next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.